Hi, I'm Jennifer Ackerman Haywood, and you're listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast. This show is all about art, craft, and creativity, and I produce it weekly in the hope that it will help all of us live long and crafty lives. There's a new crafty publication out, folks. I don't know if you've seen it or not. It's called Adorn. The coolest part about it is the people who work there, like probably most other craft publications, get to go to work and craft. Like go into an office and craft. It's like my mind can't even comprehend how amazingly fabulous that must be. Because <laughs> if I crafted at my desk, I'd probably be fired. Anyway, we all will get the chance to live vicariously through Linda Perman. She is the craft and decorating editor at Adorn Magazine. In case you haven't seen it, it's on newsstands now, the summer issue, which is the very first issue. So you can check it out after the show if you're interested. I'll post some links to the magazine website so you can kind of check it out online. It's a pretty cool magazine. Every project in it is accessible to the crafter who may not consider themselves like a total you know, expert at every single craft out there. But it will challenge those of us who have been crafting for a while. It challenges us to try things we haven't tried. There's everything from using broidering shoes, crocheting circles and turning them into necklaces. And there's some interesting reviews of crafty publications. There's runway redo. Basically what the editors did is they took a Calvin Klein dress, like a photo from a runway, and tried to recreate that look for much cheaper. Kind of a do-it-yourself runway look. A little bit about Linda before we get started. Linda is 26. She lives in New York. She is going to talk a little bit about what it's like to work at a crafty publication and we'll have some advice for how to get published. She's looking for submissions for her publication. She can give you the opinion of a craft editor. It'll give you some ideas of how to put together a proposal for a publication. Also, it's kind of a double feature, this episode of Craft Sanity. After we hear from Linda, we're going to hear from Alicia Dorset. She's another 26-year-old, only she lives in Plymouth, Michigan, and she is part of the handmade Detroit group that is putting on the Detroit Urban Craft Fair that's coming up on August 5th at the Majestic Theater in Detroit. So we're going to hear a little bit about what's going into putting on that show and how you can get involved for next year, maybe get a table if you're interested. So um, stick around for that. I want to invite you, as usual, to check out craftsanity.com after the show where you can either leave a comment or check out the free projects. Uh, this week, uh, Linda's going to give us a project for polymer clay buttons. Very cool. She takes vintage buttons and kind of presses them into the polymer clay to have this really nice texture, and then you just bake them in your oven and you can use them. It's the perfect solution if you knit something really fabulous and you just can't seem to find the right button or they're just really expensive. Why not make your own? So check out the website for that. You also find information about the Detroit Urban Craft Fair on the website as well. So let's get to it. Let's, uh, and we're going to hear from Linda. Tell us about Adorn. I'm craft and decorating editor for Adorn magazine. And um, it just came out on June 12th and uh, the first issue. It's all about, um, it's all simple crafts, embellishments, 
um, just like fun projects for, you know, fashion, home, decorating, stuff like that. Um, it's just like a fun new craft magazine that's aimed at people in the like 20 to 40 age, age range. We just thought it was high time for a non-dowdy craft magazine. Uh, so. <laughs> non-dowdy craft for, magazine. For lack of a better word, just like something a little more up to date, I guess. Yeah. So. So Martha Stewart wasn't cutting it for you? Or? Well, we love Martha Stewart. I love Martha Stewart. But I think she has a different mentality of doing things a certain way or the right way. And we want people to do things, you know, in a way that's sound. But we also don't want people to be so intimidated that they don't think they can do things. So we like to um, just kind of make projects that are simpler, kind of an intro to things, and, and that leave it open for you to sort of express your own style. Because I feel like her style is a very, you know, it's Martha's style, which is which is great, and I love it. But I, I don't think, I don't know, it's just not the same audience. Quite well, I think, well, and it, it could be part, there could be some overlap in the audience, because I know um, I Definitely. basically, I mean, I I'm basically, still going to read Martha. Yeah, <laughs> and I am too, and, I, and I, I think I like everything crafty. And I think, but, but you're right, I, I did pick up a copy of, of the magazine yesterday, and, uh-huh. you know, I was able to, to look through it. And one of the things that, that is nice about the magazine is that it is accessible. You don't have to have, um, you know, an art major um, right. or tons of money. Right, to, exactly. to make the project. I mean, it's just a different kind of audience. I think it's a little more urban, maybe, or I, I don't know. It's, I think we have a different feel. In general, I, I right. just am talking about your magazine, Adorn. Mm-hmm. That it is, you know, I picked it up and, you know, and I like everything from, you know, the fiber arts to, you know, things I can make out of my garden, you know, crafts right. I can make with things grown in nature. I mean, all over the place. Right. And it really is cool to see that this is something uh, even someone who doesn't consider themselves very artistic or crafty uh-huh. can pick up and kind of just get started. Yeah, like we're, yeah, we're, we're, we're really hoping, I'm glad you said that. Like we're really hoping that people who think, you know, like even like there's probably like knitters out there who've been knitting forever and they want to try new things, but they haven't quite had that thing that's inspired them to do it yet. But like anyone can do most of the crafts in that. Um, oh, in, definitely. In Adorn. And that's, that's the idea is that, you know, we love handmade stuff, and we love handmade from scratch stuff, but not everybody has 10 hours to sit down and cut out a pattern and sew the skirt and then embellish it and then, you know, weave a special patch to put on it, you know. Right. So we like to, you know, we, we, want, we want to have some more advanced projects in the future, too, but we like the intro level because I, I also feel like people who are, who are already into it can, like, you know, then add their own spice to whatever project they like in the magazine. Right, and it sounds like you've taken everything from, you like, giving people updates on just things that you love, and also I thought it was kind of interesting, too, that you apparently have taken on page 14 here uh, a runway redo. Is that going to be an, a regular feature in the magazine where you take Yes, some... it is. We want to do, like, a trend. You know, we're, we're New York, so we love fashion. We just love looking at it, but we, you know, I can't pay $2,400 for a Calvin Klein dress, so I, it's kind of a fun, like, project for me, too, to, like, look at something and figure out how I would do that, so... Um, you know, we're constantly looking at fashion stuff, and, and we think people are interested in it, or we hope. So, um, we, you know, we want it to be like a magazine where you have, like, trends and stuff like that going on, in addition to, not, not just like a craft book that's in a condensed format that comes out four times a year, you know. So that's definitely going to be a regular feature. Well, that'll be fun, too. Yeah. And I'm curious about where do you find your ideas? Uh, everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Everywhere from, like, you know, we, we subscribe to tons of magazines. We get, like, trend reports. I walk down the streets of Soho every day. Um, I look on the Internet all the time just, you know, because I'm there. Um, I just, you know, just everywhere. 
as many ideas as possible. Like, we really actually want to get more submissions from people. We're hoping after this first issue is out that people will submit their ideas, like, and, and we can actually, you know, have them design things for us. But, but as of right now, it's just kind of like, sometimes they just float into my head, or we know we want to do a story with this theme, so what can we do um, that fits into that theme? And we try to, like, hit all the areas, like knitting and, you know, decoupaging, painting, beading. You know, we try to hit all those. So sometimes it's a matter of, like, if we want to do a story on, gosh, what did we do this time? Yeah, you're already probably on the next yeah, uh, issue like or I'm two. Yeah, I'm already like, what did we do for this first issue? It's just, we've been working on it for so long. Well, you had some beading in there. Right, like we wanted to do folk fashion, so, but we, want, we don't want it to just all be like sewing from patterns. You know, what can we do? Like, can we put a jewelry project in there? Can we put a no-sew painting project in there? Um, so sometimes it's like a hodgepodge of fitting certain requirements, and sometimes it's just like we see something... You know, someone's selling something on the street that looks really cool. How can we do that with the craft supplies that are around? You know, or you go to Forever 21 or H&M or some other trendy store and see, you know, cute accessories, but you're not in love with the pattern or, you know, whatever. So just trying to figure out how we can make some of the stuff we see out there with our own little twist, of course. So I just have to disclose right now that I am completely jealous that you get to pay, get, you're getting paid to craft. Um, <laughs> I just got it back about an hour ago from my um, toiling away at the keyboard um, at my journalism job. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was a reporter. Um, it's so, funny, you know, it's, it's, it's really fun and it's like exactly what I would have designed my job to be, but you know, it's still a job sometimes, but you know, yeah, it yeah. is really fun. And I mean... I, I used to have my own handmade business that was, like, in addition to my, like, um, you know, day job, and that's how I kind of fell into this. But it's hard, I think, as a hand hand maker to, to really make your business be your life because you're just, you know, even if you get that order that puts you, like, woo I have a order for 200 of these. Like, how can you as one person do that? <laughs> so I think getting into publishing was, like, my lucky, like, break, you know, into – Still being able to do that, but not necessarily having to make like 500 things a day all the time. Right. So you're not yeah. like, you know, a slave laborer in your house, you know. Right. Um, exactly. <laughs> so. I know. I Sometimes I'm just like, how do these people even make, you know, 200 plushies in, you know, time for Christmas or whatever? Well, what was your day job before you landed this ultimate job um, opportunity? I worked at Newsweek Magazine in the communications department. So I was doing a lot of PR stuff. Okay. And, um, it was a lot of administrative work, and it was also scheduling people for radio and TV and stuff like that. So that's actually really, <laughs> really helpful now because we need to promote the magazine. Right. So you're so totally was, savvy about the, all this stuff. Yeah. I mean, and so I was doing that, and I was totally going home and crocheting every night. And just, I, you know, I found the sampler, and I started promoting my little online business, and people started buying it, and they weren't just my friends. And that was really cool, you know, like, I don't even know who this person is, and they want to buy something of mine. <laughs> That made me feel awesome, you know. Right, not that just the, you had moved beyond the sympathy purchases. Right, so. <laughs> not just like, all right, my sister wants to buy them for her office mates because she could tell they've been up on my website for three months. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, oh, that's funny. Yeah, and, then, you know, people around the office were interested and they thought that was really cool. And um, I kind of didn't really want to move up at Newsweek because it was one of those you'll be working till midnight on a Saturday kind of jobs, and I know that's not what I wanted. So I was just kind of hanging tight, and then this uh, this posting came up, and like a friend sent it to me, and I actually didn't apply the first time. I was like, no, I'm sure I'm not qualified for that job. 
you know, I'm just this person that likes to craft in my spare time or whatever. And then, like, a month later, it was, like, right around Christmas, a month later, someone, another, like, my coworker emailed it to me. And I was like, all right, if my coworker's emailing me the job posting and it's still <laughs> open a month later, I guess I have to apply for it. And this was for another magazine that we worked on before Adorn. And uh, I applied for it, and then I went on the interview, and I got it, and I was just like, yes. <laughs> and so scared at the same time. But so what magazine was that? Hmm? What magazine did you do? That was for Joanne Magazine, which is the magazine for Joanne Stores. We did a custom publication for them. Um, Soho did it for about six years, so I worked on that for about a year before Adorn was born. I see. And so you're one of the founding editors then of Adorn. Yep. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, well, and so do you guys actually get, like, do you have a room with, like, tons of craft supplies when you go to work? That... We do. We have a closet of sorts. It's kind of crazy right now. We're doing a lot of construction at work, so. But we do. We've got, like, some shelves with these huge bins of craft supplies. And, and now I kind of call all the different vendors, and I get to pick exactly what I want, which is really fun, um, just pouring through all the supplies that are out there, you know. And uh, we, we loosely organize, <laughs> although it can be a real madhouse sometimes, but. Well, I, I think any like a craft bomb went off in our cubicle. Well, I can't think of anything more fantastic, actually. <laughs> um, well, I think that that's just fabulous what you're, you're that you're doing this. And um, what kind of feedback have you gotten so far? So far, the feedback has been like really good, which is really encouraging. Like everyone seems to, you know, I think it's time for a magazine like this, and so most people have been like really excited about it. You know, there's a few people that didn't weren't in love with it but that's I think going to happen with anything but most people you know are like oh it's so fantastic we love it why is it quarterly (laughs) or you know things like that but uh yeah so far you know we've really been trying to get it out there we were at Renegade last weekend we're giving away magazines at um Art versus Craft in Milwaukee this weekend and we're you know so far everyone's loving it and it's not just you know again not just my mom (laughs) that's exciting you know we're really looking forward to like hearing more feedback and like getting more submissions from people because I just know there's so many people online crafting and stuff. So, well, tell me how submissions would work because I, I see how the projects here. Did you come up with all the projects in this current issue? Most of the projects we like me and Christina Batch, the editor, we just kind of sit in our cubicle and brainstorm them. And a lot of the times, though, we send them out to a, another crafter and they'll you know add their own little touches to it. Um, and we have um, also an assistant, who Meredith, who is super helpful in making stuff happen for us, too. So submissions, we're going to have a submission guideline on our website, which is adornmag.com. It's not up there just yet, but it should be soon. Um, basically, what you would do is sketch out your idea, what, you, what supplies you would use and how you would do it, you know, just roughly, and then um, send it in to us. I'm hoping, you know, we're, we're still very startup right now, but to have, like, an editorial calendar online so you could you know, see what stories we're doing, and then maybe if you have something that you think would fit perfectly in there, great. Um, But we also, you know, if we work with certain crafters after a while, we just know, like, they're really great with felt, we'll send this project to them. When you're talking about with the felt, for instance, like, if you, Uh are you going to come up with particular projects, or are you just going to call somebody and say, hey, uh, you work with felt, we need a project with this theme, go to town? It's more like, um, we'll say, like, we're doing a felt pillow can you do a pillow? We want it to have this kind of design on it. You know, I'll send you some tears of what we're looking for, but then you, like, we do give some guidelines just because, you know, we have to have, like, six projects all working together for one story for it to look really good with photography and everything, and we have to, you know, we're kind of controlling. Like, we have to, like, pick all the, you know, felt colors that go with the beads, that go with the ribbon, that go with this and that. So there are guidelines, but I think there's still a lot of open room for creative interpretation. And it's funny because I think 
as a crafter, it's almost easier sometimes to have some direction of oh, where yeah. you're going than to just be going from nowhere. So. Otherwise, sometimes people get completely stumped. Right. And, and also, sometimes I think, like, you know, oh, make a baby hat. That's easy. Like, someone else has a completely different <laughs> idea of a baby hat. Like, I've learned to give more information rather than less and then just be flexible on it, you know? Uh. But, but it's, good to, it's good to clarify <laughs> because someone might think I want, you know, something with ruffled edges and flowers all over it, and I'm just thinking, like, skull cap, you know? So we yeah. do give some, you know, some direction just because we can't, you know, if we wanted six different crafters in the same story, we want it to still have the feel of, you know, someone who was thinking about them all going together. Now, are you going to pay people for their submissions? Yes, we do pay. <laughs> we okay. do pay our crafters. It's not like a ton of money, but it's. Um, I think it's fair. Yeah. Well, so, how much how, for the folks at home that are, you know, uh, how much uh, roughly? Uh, it, it probably depends on what the person does. It totally but. depends on the project. Anywhere from like one hundred and fifty dollars for like a smaller thing to maybe five hundred dollars. Just depends on what what the project is. Do um, the crafters get like uh, a byline or any kind? They'll of get credit in the in the gutter <laughs> as we call it and where um, is the gutter the little inside of the magazine like where the seam is and okay. then it's on the instructions too because that's the thing they have to write instructions for the project too so it's you know it's hard to find crafters who are good at writing instructions and and doing the project like that's what so that's what the challenge of I it think is. that's one of the hardest parts right like sometimes people are like like some of the feedback is the projects are so simple and I'm like but I have to make them knowing that I can explain them and that other people will get it. Because to me, the, the magazine is, like, I will feel successful when I see someone post online their project they made after looking at the magazine. That's going to make me feel, like, awesome. Um, and if, I, if my directions are totally unclear or I just did something, you know, a freeform crochet piece or something, you know, that's not something that someone could really look at and be like, oh, okay, I can make that. Right, you know? right. Um, so it's, you know, it, we, that's, that's the challenge of finding crafters that can, also write good directions. We have technical editors also who, you know, with a fine-tooth comb, go over everything, which thank God they do, because I'm sure my directions are loopy sometimes too. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it would be, you know, they would get credit in the, with their instructions. And then um, we have a contributors page where we put little bios of the people who are contributing. So it would be, you know, for glory and money. <laughs> for glory and money. What yeah. more could a crafter want? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Well, yeah, I had to ask where the gutter was because in the newspaper we don't have a gutter. Oh, right, right. Sometimes yeah, you feel like, like you're trapped in the gutter, but. <laughs> you know where to look if you're one of the people who writes for magazines. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, so it sounds like you're looking for, um, the, it's an open invitation. If people want to submit something, if they have an idea, what is the best way for them to submit something? Because I don't want you to, you to be overwhelmed with the yeah. wrong thing. Well, the best what, thing for them to do, I mean, honestly, the best thing for me would be for them to mail us a submission. But probably, or to email it to us from the website. Like, I like to have something in my hands. It's just easier. Like, I'll probably, I'm probably more inclined to look at it for a little bit longer because it's a piece of paper. Um, if you go to our website, there's, like, a feedback form, and you can email in there also. You know, you can just, like, link to the pictures or ask for the address to mail it in. We'll have the address on the website once we have the submission guidelines up. So that's the easiest way, and our, um, our trusty editorial assistant, Meredith, can, can weed through all of that and let us know what she usually lets us see almost everything so it's good 
And, you know, we obviously can't feature everyone who submits stuff, but that doesn't mean it's not, like, a great project. So is the first step, like, finding out what Meredith's favorite color is, maybe, and uh, kissing up to her, and then, <laughs> Meredith you <knows> know. Meredith everything. <laughs> she gives everyone an equal chance. She really does. She's great. She, she loves almost everything that comes through. So. Yeah. She, and even if she doesn't, she lets us see it, just in case, you know, so. Well, have you, got, you gotten anything truly awful sent, without naming names or being too specific? Um, uh, have you... I don't want to be negative. <laughs> we always get some stuff that it's not like awful. It's just completely not our taste, you know, so, or it's just like really simple or we've seen it a million times or, you know, that kind of stuff. But or it looks like something, someone might look at your first issue and make something and send it back to you <laughs> say, hey, how about this? Um, or it's like made out of a milk jug and we're just like, I just don't see that. We're all for recycling, but there's just some stuff that, you know, a little too far, a little too extreme. So as far as criteria goes, if people are um, looking and thinking, geez, yeah, this sounds like a great opportunity, mm-hmm. I want to do something, what criteria would they, because it, it sounds like you want it to be something simple that everyone or, you know, anyone who's into crafts would be able to handle without too much trouble. Um, but what are you looking, what do you, what, when people ask, what are you looking for? How, um, just something like that style-wise is really great and fun and new, like something maybe that I haven't seen before. Um, but isn't, like, so out there that, you know, someone would look at it and be like, well, I hate that. Like, it has to be on the level that most people could appreciate it. Um, you know, it's, I think probably with any submission, we'll make changes to it. Like, you have to use these beads or whatever, because, like, well, like I was saying with um, supplies, it just, it just it depends on the nature of the project. But um, we do like to make it with supplies that are mostly widely available so people can get, people who do want to follow the instructions exactly can do that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just projects that are, like, fun and unique and um, and stylish. <laughs> we like style. Um, yeah, I don't know what makes a good submission. People who write their name and address on every single page, that's very important. <laughs> Clear sketches, like, you know, things like that make a great submission. You need to be surprised a lot of times it doesn't happen. Um, yeah, it, it's such a back-and-forth process. We really do have people that we like working with, and we know if we just give them certain guidelines, they'll be able to make something great or greater than we even expected. Um, so I think, you know, I'm, like, really web-savvy, so I'm already, like, looking out for people online that I think I can approach with stuff. But um, as far as submissions, yeah, it's like if your idea, you know, I don't want someone to flush it out to the point of, like, they're making it just to submit it because I would feel bad if we then didn't want to use it. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, have a have a pretty solid idea and then just do, like, a sketch of it and, you know, send that in and be open to it. Or if you're, like, you know, you've made something and you want to do an offshoot of that, send us a picture of the thing that you've already made and then, you know, um, what you would do for, like, the, you know, alternate kind in the magazine. I know you work ahead, and this is a quarterly... Yeah, so that's another big deal. Like, we work five months ahead about. So when it's, right now we're working on Christmas. So, (laughs) you know, (laughs) it's hard for you to think that far in advance. But, um, yes, so for submissions it is is kind of really far in advance. Although, you know, we can file things if it's, if you send us something for summer right now, we can like, save it till next summer. We're also very adept at going, okay, that would look great if we just put a reindeer on it or something, you know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> we'll just change the theme of this thing and then make it fit into our, you know, winter story. 
And then do you send it back when someone submits an idea? If you like it, do you contact them again and say, okay, make it for us, or do you guys make it in-house? Oh, no, we wouldn't, we wouldn't like, take your submission and then make it for you and not give you credit because that's just totally... Well, no, I mean, giving the person credit. Uh, do you have them make the finished piece that's photographed? Yeah, like, we would... Um, basically what happens, we, don't, we haven't gotten a lot of submissions yet, but we, we keep the submission or a copy of the submission on file, and then um, we would contact the person if we were interested in having them do it. And, the, and again, we would probably send them a box of supplies and, like, rough instruction or rough idea of what we're looking for. You know, after we've called them and <laughs> they've agreed to do the project, um, and then they would make the project and write the instructions um, and send them in by our deadline. We would photograph it and everything, um, and uh, get all the instructions edited and all that stuff, and then it would go into the magazine. And then, do they get that piece back? Usually not, because we own it after that, because we pay them. Um, okay. Yeah, I just wasn't in sure. In extreme situations, it's, it could be arranged. It just depends. You know? Okay, so that's things you have to negotiate. A, a yeah, like we could negotiate that. It's just kind of one of those things, usually, where it's just, by the time we, you know, we have to wait till the issue is printed, and then we have to keep it around in case people have questions about instructions. It's just easier for us to keep it. Um, I think some of the other magazines, it's kind of like, if you want the piece back, you don't get paid or you don't get paid as much. It just depends. I see. Well, and that makes sense. I mean, if the, you've given them all the supplies. Um, yeah. I, I'm definitely not implying that that's a bad thing. I just right. know that that's a question the crafters yeah, yeah, yeah. at home might know. Like, I okay. typically know you don't get your piece back. Um, if you beg <laughs> me, I probably would feel bad and send it to you. <laughs> well, I think most people would just be thrilled to have their, their project published. I right. think that's a, huge, that's a huge milestone for people who are doing artistic work is yeah. to have their... And if you do enough projects, you... You, you start to not want them back. <laughs> yeah, I think that's true. I mean, you like to find homes for these yeah. things. It's, it's funny because a lot of times what we do after the issue's like out and it's been like six months or whatever, we'll do a giveaway at work and we'll give away all the projects and stuff. And I used to take like so many craft supplies and so many projects. And then at some point you're like, I worked with that for six months. <laughs> I think I can let that go. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny. Yeah. I don't know if there's anything else you want to say in particular about the uh, the magazine or anything else people need to know about submissions. I think, you know, if they check in with the website, um, hopefully we'll get that up in the next couple weeks um, for submission guidelines. Most of it will be on there. And just that, yeah, we're really open to it. And we want, we want to see what people are doing. We even want people to, like, if they make something from the magazine, like, send us a picture of it, you know, maybe we'll publish it, or, you know, write, write letters to the editor, comment on the blog, like, we totally want to hear what people want out of the magazine, and what they're doing, and, you know, we, we want to be connected to our audience, we don't want to be this, like, big up there thing that you can't touch, so. So are you done with the Christmas issue, or is there room still for Christmas projects? Um, there's still room, we're still kind of figuring it out right now, because we're, we're kind of doing, we're going to be quarterly, but this is a... This year's, you know, it's a startup, so we're still just getting everything rounded up. So it's like a fall-winter issue. Our story ideas are pretty set, but there's there's still some room to to budge a little bit. You know, if we see something we really like, we can squeeze it in or hack something else out and put it in in place of it. So, or you know, or someone submits a necklace and we go, oh, cool, we like your necklace, but we'd really like you to do a bracelet and earrings. Could you do that instead? You know, like we see that you can bead. How about <laughs> how about doing this instead? So. I see. Okay, yeah. so it sounds like that really the sky's the limit. You know, they just need to yeah. contact you, get the idea out, and you'll take it from there. If you're right, interested. right. And we'll just sort of, like, make it work for both of us, kind of. Well, I'd like to get a little information about you, like your story here. Oh, sure. So when did all this craftiness begin? Um, I was 
crafty when I was little, like, you know, Bible school craft kind of stuff, actually. And then I, I did uh, art in college and all through high school and college, which was kind of a, like, what else should I major in? I don't know. Why don't I just major in art? Because, you know, no one actually uses their major anyway, so I might as well just do what I want. And when I moved to New York, which was about four years ago, was when I really started getting into it because I learned... I learned how to crochet when I was like five, but I relearned when I moved here because it was so cold because I moved from Texas and I was like, it's freezing, I need hats and scarves. And I had been on Get Crafty for about two years at that point, And I just, you know, when I was in school, I was doing a lot of painting, but then I had all this, I had all this free time with my job that wasn't, you know, didn't seem nearly as busy as going to college. So I started crafting when I moved mostly a lot, and then I started my handmade business online, which was Linda Made, which is now just a little parking spot, but anyway, <laughs> and I was just, I had worked like several temp jobs in the city, and then I worked at Newsweek, and then, you know, I told you, found the posting for the uh, Joanne magazine, and there I was. <laughs> it was kind of an easy fall into uh, serendipity. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's great, and so it sounds like crocheting is one of your fortes. Yep, that was my love. It's funny, I actually had uh, I had a bout with tendonitis for about six months, eight months, you know, once I, after I started my job, I think I was just like, I was like crafting at work and crafting at home and like totally on the internet all the time, and I had to stop and slow down for a while, which was interesting, <laughs> an interesting like conundrum of like, no, I have my dream job, why can't I crochet anymore? <laughs> um, so I do, but, like that was probably my first love as far as crafting goes, but I really, um, I like to do a little bit of everything. So that's why I like Adorn, because I can do designing for like all sorts of different projects. So it's fun. But yes, I do love to crochet. I have a, a Stitch and Bitch pattern in Debbie Solo's book. Yeah, I yeah. saw that. And yeah. you, so you did the, um, was it the flowers that you did? The flowers and the birdies, yeah. yeah. And that was another thing where I was like, oh no, how am I going to tell people how to make this? But it worked out. I, I think people have made it successfully. I've seen it online, so that makes me happy. <laughs> yeah. So are you still creating patterns for submitting things other places, or do you even have time um, to do that? I, I'm doing a few little book things. Like I have some friends who are publishing books, so they'll ask me to do one project, which is great. I love doing that kind of stuff because I like to get my work out there, but it's hard when you're so busy at your day job doing other stuff that's like along the same lines. But, yeah, I am doing a couple of little projects. Do you actually work longer hours now than you did when you were at Newsweek? No, I'm pretty good. We, I'm, we're pretty 9 to 5. There are, like, weeks where it's crazy or, like, when we're doing photo shoots and stuff like that. But my quality of life is pretty good, so that's that's exciting. I do think about my job all day. but. <laughs> well, it sounds like it's probably happy thoughts, though. You yeah, know? yeah, it's good. It's just kind of funny to wake up and be like, oh, my gosh, did I put the rotary cutter in that box when I sent it out to that designer? You know, instead of... Oh my God! I hope Baghdad doesn't blow up tomorrow because then I'm going to have ten voicemails waiting for me. Right. It's completely different. Kind right, of world. right. It's like happy news and you know, yeah, just organizing yeah. your happy news. Right. <laughs> it's much better for me, I think, to not be listening to NPR. I still listen to NPR in the morning, but it's much better to not be worrying about what's actually happening. Right, because so it doesn't anymore. directly impact happy your crafts for everyone. Yeah, your day <laughs> is not going to be affected by the story for the most part. Right. Right. Yeah, well, that's that's something that's probably a great comfort to you now. Um. Yeah, it is. You know, it's, at the beginning it was weird because it was, you know, I felt uh, it's just it's just a completely different world, I think. So what do you make of, obviously, crafting in America is just, uh, I mean, it's just 
everybody seems to be crafting these days and they can craft in public and there's no shame about that anymore and it's Mm -hmm. not it's not stigmatized as a grand granny type behavior there's people from all walks of life embracing this craftiness now do you think this is something that's going to fade out or do you think this is something that is here to stay i mean do you have any thoughts on that um it's interesting i think it's gonna stay for the people who do it who've been doing it for a long time like, for me, I think, you know, the past six years, I feel like there's been a big resurgence of craft, and I feel like big business is just catching on to that. I think, you know, it. I think it'll stay around. Like, I think if there's enough community and there's enough people who are really into it, that there's people that are just going to always make things. And with the Internet, it's not going to matter so much that they're, like, next door to you. Like, as long as there's some sort of support community going on, like, I think it'll continue. There probably will be, you know some little bubbles that come up where it's super hot for a few years and then it dies down a little bit. It's hard for me because I'm like right in the middle of it. Like I'm thinking, you know, everyone knows about all this cool stuff that's going on and then you talk to someone else, you know, you call your brother and he's like, what? (laughs) I don't know anyone who crafts. Right, right. But I think it'll stick around. I think there's definitely people who are like into the trend that'll make a few scars and then, you know, not. But, you know, that's cool too. Like at least they're getting into it for a while. And, and some people will get into it and love it, and some people will not. But I think there's, like, a strong core group of people, you know, that, that I know, that I've known online for, like, six years, and I'm sure there's other groups, too, that, you know, just because, because we're all still around and we're all still doing it, it'll exist in some form or fashion. I think it'll stay strong. The numbers might dwindle, you know, right. might not be, but the people that have been crafting all along are going to keep crafting. Yeah, and, like, to me, it's not even just necessarily crafting. It's kind of this lifestyle of just, like, you know, making a curtain or something. Maybe that's not, like, a craft, but it is. You know, like, it's people who are doing things for themselves rather than just going out and buying it all the time. Right, um, right. Or just, you know, that just kind of... Like, all the crafty people I know just kind of have this vision for a world, and they can actually, like, do their part to create little, you know, pieces of it. And I think that's really cool, and I think, I hope that, you know, that'll always be around. Well, what, why do you craft? Like, why, you know, obviously now you craft because it's your job. <laughs> they <laughs> make me do like, it. You're <laughs> like, I am forced to craft. Um, but <laughs> I crack the whip. It's made out craft of now. different yarns. <laughs> well, wh- why before you got you know the job you have now? Why do I craft outside of work? Yeah, like why why did you get into this? Why do you do it? Well, it's kind of for me. It's like I need something that doesn't exist. I'll just make it myself, or like I need something that I can't afford, or you know, or I'll just see some really inspiring stuff, like a bottle of buttons or something. To me, I'm just like that stuff needs to be around my neck. That's I just see it there. I'm gonna make it happen. And for me, it's also it is like a community kind of thing like it's a way for me to feel productive sometimes like if I'm just sitting at home all weekend but I made a scarf I'll feel a little bit better (laughs) um and it's fun it's it's like a fun way to connect to people too like if you're knitting on the train like you will get a lot of comments from people and you know maybe you don't always want to talk to them but it's kind of nice it's a nicer commute than not talking to anyone for 45 minutes on your way to work like it's you know nice to relate to the outside world once in a while and it's also, to me, it's just gratifying to, to make things. It, it always has been, you know, ever since I was a kid, just, like, to produce something in the world of many, many things that are already around that, you know, I like and I identify with. And and, and to be able to, it, a lot of my stuff that I make, too, is, like, fashion or accessory stuff, and it's just fun to really be able to wear what I want to wear, 
even if it doesn't exist, you know, already somewhere in the world. And what, what sorts of things do you make? Um, anything and everything. I've been making a lot of jewelry lately. That's fun for me. Earrings or necklaces. Um, I like I like the embellishment trend. Like I like to buy a skirt and then you know add a little patch onto it. Um, I am getting into some more sewing. Like I've I've just been sewing not from patterns mostly, and I I think I'm finally getting to the point where I I'll give the patterns a go because <laughs> it'd probably make my life a lot easier than trying to measure myself 50 times while making this thing with pins in it on yeah me. that gets kind of painful at times yeah <laughs> but it works now yeah um yeah just kind of anything that strikes my fancy like yeah a lot of a lot of it's just like there's so much influx of stimulus in new york just walking down the street just seeing how people you know dress themselves or like things in store windows and so i get a lot of inspiration just from that you know so are are you finding that you're taking projects pretty much wherever you go, or do you kind of leave your projects at work now that you're it's part of your job? You know, I don't make as much stuff as I used to now that I do it for work. But I when I did, and it was also the whole, like, the tendonitis thing, I really had to, it was really hard, but I just had to stop doing anything outside of work for a while to really be able to heal. So I'm still, like, kind of <laughs> squeamish about doing too much because I don't want to get back to that point. But I was, like, I would take it, like, last uh, summer I was at a concert and I would just, like, take little fabric circles and I was, like, sewing up yo-yos in the park. And it's it's just fun. It's, like, if I'm going to be sitting there anyways, it's nice to be doing something else while I listen to the music or talk to friends or whatever. And I, I like that public aspect of taking it outside because I do think people connect with you. Like, you'll meet someone. I met someone on the bus four years ago when I was learning to crochet and, she taught me how to, she was like, you're doing it backwards. And, you know, she sat next to me because she saw I was doing it. And then, you know, we had this great, like, conversation for four hours on the bus, and I learned how to crochet the right way, so that was really helpful. <laughs> um, and it's, you know, maybe I'll never see her again, but it's it's a nice little moment, I think, in the life of just fast-paced buzzing well, around. Well, especially <laughs> in New York, I mean, because everyone seems to be in, in such a hurry and, you know, to get places, yeah. so that must be great to have that interaction. Yeah, I mean, I love New York, but I also like to just be with myself sometimes. Well, I, yeah, it must be quite a contrast to you. Said you came from Texas, yeah. right? Yeah, it is a big contrast, but it's you know, I live in Astoria. It's a little bit quieter out here. I don't feel like I have to like say yes to every social invitation because I can just pretend that I live in Queens and it's so far away, even though it's not really. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, it's. You know, I think crafting is, can be very meditative, so so it's a nice way to, like crochet especially. I actually started taking meditation classes once I stopped crafting at home for a while, so to fill that little void. Um, it's just like a nice way to think about your day, but like make some progress, like some some actual progress on something that's, you know, that you're just doing for you, that's not, no one's like grading it or judging it or you know, any of that. Well, there are clearly some meditative aspects to the re- repetition in crafting, especially with stitching. You know, you're doing the same thing over and over yeah. a lot of times, and it is very right. relaxing. Yeah, it's it's just like counting and meditation, kind of. So d- how did you get through that period? Well, the meditation, of course, it sounds like that was what you used to fill the void, but yeah. I just was went it, crazy. Cause it, <laughs> I, um, it, was, it was honestly, it was really hard. I think it was one of the hardest things I ever had to deal with, because I just really didn't get why, like... You know, I thought I was totally in the right place, and, like, why would this be happening to me? But I think it was good for me, because I think I was crafting, like, so, so much that I that I was kind of just, like, losing touch with, like, 
socializing and getting just like doing some other things and it really like got me into you know back out into like going to the gym like doing some things that I'd always wanted to do that I never really made the time for I realized that I was like I did have all this time and I was making stuff so um I went to a lot of physical therapy and after (laughs) like months of that and like acupuncture I finally gave in and stopped crafting a bit I joined the gym I like made a bunch of new friends Learn to enjoy just sitting there and not always being busy too. That's that's a nice thing to learn. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes I, you don't always. Have yeah, to and have I have I have a hard time with that because I I think you know basically watching TV and not doing something else is like it's like criminal right. behavior basically. <laughs> right, that's what I think too. Then that's what I used to think, and and then I realized you know what that's okay sometimes like. Yeah. It's okay to actually pay full attention. I know. It's like, yeah, I'm always kind of slightly distracted, and my husband hates it because if if we watch a movie and I'll be like, oh, what just happened? Because I was counting a row or something. Right, right. (laughs) Yeah, because I would would watch things with my roommate, and she'd be like, oh, my gosh, that's so ugly. And I'm like, I'm not even watching. I'm just listening. Yeah, until you have (laughs) no idea. It could be a radio Because a lot is lost. With TV, there's a reason why it's TV. There's a visual aspect to it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I realize I missed a lot of... uh, <laughs> a lot of the things that I guess you're supposed to see while you're yeah. Watching well, I TV. went through the the whole tendonitis thing myself. I I when I was at the height oh, of yeah. my weaving, because um, <laughs> I I type all day. You know, I'm a reporter, so I'm typing all the time. And then right, uh, I'd come home and weave for several hours. And this is before I had kids. And uh-huh. oh my goodness, I mean, I got to the point where I had like wrist braces on both wrists, and I go to work and I was typing oh, yeah. with like you know the hunt and peck typing with one, two fingers and and. Right. I was like holding a pencil and punching the keys and, with that. And I was, was absolutely like, miserable <laughs> because I couldn't do, I couldn't weave and I couldn't do all this stuff. But what I've learned though, is when I get to the point where I'm feeling any hint of pain, that means I need to stop. <laughs> I, I would, I would just craft right, right through it before. I mean, it was kind of, it was silly. It was right, actually that's silly. what I did. And I was like, no, 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 I'm better than this. I'm stronger than this. I can do it. And it's like, you know, sometimes your body is telling you something. And I think it's, <laughs> I, it, it taught right. me a good lesson of like, you know, sometimes you, have to put things aside for a while and it doesn't mean it's the end of the world well and crafting shouldn't hurt (laughs) right exactly exactly it's so hard because you want to make things you know but i mean that was really the only thing that really made me start feeling better so was not doing it but it mentally (laughs) mentally it didn't make me feel better so i was just like no i can't well you can't you pulled through it you can you pulled through it you know (laughs) yeah exactly it makes me feel better to hear other people <laughs> have the same thing. Yeah, and I think also, you know, I was on the Internet a lot. So it was the combination of, like, typing and crafting. And, you know, I haven't signed on to Instant Messenger in six months. And Yeah, well, I think so well, I think anything to access can, I mean, if, if crafting takes over your life to the point where you're, like, have your arms. Right. I mean, and when I was looking at my wrists and, like, these, you know, wrist braces, and I'm just thinking to myself, how ridiculous is this? I mean, how absolutely right. ridiculous, you know? Oh, yeah, everyone's like, oh, my gosh, you're just insane if you got to that point of, like, <laughs> injuring yourself from uh, from crafting. I actually wrote an essay about uh, that for this book that's coming out later, but I'm like, it'll be fun to read by the time that book's published. <laughs> what I was thinking in the height of, you know, feeling tormented. Well, I actually got to the point where when I went to have this electrode test where they test to see if you have carpal tunnel, I was like, okay, uh-huh. if I have carpal tunnel, then I can have surgery and correct it forever. And if it's tendonitis, then I'm just yep. screwed. So, um, so right. I was like, I was well, like rooting I, yeah. for carpal tunnel. I mean, do you know how insane that is? Right. 
Yeah, no, I mean, that's, I was like, I kind of oh, thought, all right, come on, carpal tunnel, you know, <laughs> and it turned it out, turned, I mean, it turned out I had tendonitis because I was like, I knew tendonitis just comes back. It never really completely goes away. It never you really just have goes to, away. You have to just, right. Well, you just have to. Yes. And I was like, always. man, if I get carpal tunnel, I can get this fixed and, you know. Right. But you know, it's, it's funny because I read a lot of books and I did a lot of meditation and I don't know, I've learned a lot about, I, I think. I sometimes think, I don't know, I'll probably sound like a nut in this interview, but that it can also be like your body's way of like sort of displacing emotions and you're not, that you're not dealing with. Oh, yeah. Like there's this guy who writes a book. It's called uh, The Mind-Body Connection. And you look at it and you're like, this is a self-help book and he's a quack and, you know, he's, he's telling me it's all in my head, which is right. bullshit. <laughs> he's my French. Um, and, that, you know, my brother was telling me about it and I was like, oh, shut up. I'm not making this up. But it's not, it wasn't about that. It was about like you know, your body's way of dealing with things by sort of, just like sort of placing stress in your body somewhere that makes sense to you. Like, oh, that makes sense that my hand would hurt because I'm doing too much crocheting. And and then you focus on that pain instead of whatever you're avoiding or you're, you know, not dealing with, you know, that you might not even be aware, like, that I, I wasn't Yeah, I totally, I can totally see that because I was pretty stressed out at the time. Um, right. Yeah. And I was too. And I didn't really think I was, like, it's mostly like one of those internal conflict kind of situations that, that, that you're just like, you don't even really realize or, you know, you're stressed out, but you're, like, it gave me something to focus on. And it did. I was like, I'm going to go to physical therapy like three times a week and I'm going to go to acupuncture and I'm going to do this and I'm going to get better. And, you know, I was so focused on that. And once I... I read, like, I only read the Amazon review for that book, and then I was like, oh, and immediately, like, part of the, like, I had it in kind of a few places in my wrist, and, like, the the one that just, like, made no sense to me, like, I had, like, this outside sort of fuzzy feeling that, that I never, when I went in to the doctor, hadn't bothered me, and it was bothering me for, like, the past six weeks. It, like, totally went away. <laughs> so, I think there's something to it, you know. But yeah, I, I can totally, I totally was at that point where I was like, and then I can have surgery and it'll be fine. But oh, I'm yeah, so glad I don't have carpal tunnel, and I and I because <laughs> I don't think that really ever gets no. To and who wants either, to go through so. surgery? I mean, that's just it's insane, and it's yeah. insane. Since then, I've gone through um two C sections, so I can totally say that if I can avoid surgery for the rest of my life, I, I'm going to try to I'm going to try <laughs> to do that. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah. That's so, but it, yeah. I mean, carpal tunnel, I'm sure, is a little different than a C-section. <laughs> but, yeah, but, well, but you know, yeah. <laughs> maybe it's a little well, easier. I don't know. But you don't have this thing that stays with you for like. Yeah, it was. Years. Well, it's one of those deals where you know, <laughs> I think that the crafting, like anything else, can be taken to extremes. But I know, kind of, the premise of my whole show here is what I talk to people about. How you know, I'm always trying to encourage people to, to you know, kind of craft their way, like make their way through like literally make their way through whatever challenge they're dealing they're with because obviously it's a lot more healthy than um you know like spiraling into drugs or heavy drinking or something like that of right. course <laughs> in excess crafting can be dangerous right. <laughs> right like anything i think you know it's just like a wake-up call for me like crafting and the internet fun on their you know two point but you don't need to well i know i'm a lot smarter about that now and uh yeah yeah, but, me too. Well, at <laughs> we least, at least what, we, you know, our spirals, you know, we, it's a lot easier to pick yourself up um, from uh, excessive crafting. I mean, I guess if I'm going to do something right. silly, I'm glad that was what I did. <laughs> yeah. Right, totally. I'm glad it wasn't like, oops, yeah, I got yeah, into Yeah, because that's, I mean, yeah, that's a whole other thing to battle back from. So, yeah, well. Right. I mean, it's like, an, it can be an addiction like anything else. Like, I know people who started knitting to quit smoking, and then they have, like, a suit. <laughs> you know, so. And basement full of yarn, you know. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, right. I'm curious about the people in your life. Um, do you find that you're friends with tons of people who craft? Like right in your, the, I'm talking about people that you can actually see, not people you know through the internet. Right. Not yeah, like, like not imaginary friends. I think of these people, imaginary friends right. almost, because I know all these people now, and I'm like, okay, I can't, I can't do see I really them. Know you I mean, or? is this all real, or is this like the Truman Show? Right. Um, you know. <laughs> Right. You know, it's funny. I, I used to, like, I, I actually did meet a ton of my internet friends, and we were all very crafty for a while. But lately, let me think about this. I would say that, yeah, most of my friends aren't crafty. But that's how it was when I was growing up, too. I mean, I was doing art, but it's similar kind of thing. Like, they were all, like, the smart kids. So, no, most of my friends aren't really that crafty, except for my work friends, obviously. But I kind of... I kind of think that's all right. Like, I like that. And I think it's cool when, when guests um, share that information about their lives because I think sometimes, you know, I, me, you know, when I listen to the show and I talk to these people for the show and people listen at home, I think sometimes we get an altered mm-hmm. sense of reality. We think that other people have all these crafty friends right there, you know, can come over to their house every, every right, like week, you know, and they're just crafting right every week as a group and it must be so fabulous. Right. And then look no. at me, I don't have anyone to craft with. You know what I mean? So, so I think nope, it's, it's not that at all. And that's why I think the internet is great because you, you can feel like there's someone else who like cares yes, what you're doing. Yes. Yeah. I mean, like my, you know, my mom makes quilts and my grandma, um, when she could was like very, you know, she showed all of our dresses and stuff like that. But you know, I don't even see, you know, they're far away too. Yeah. I don't really have a lot of crafty, crafty friends. A lot of them are on the internet, but, but I do like, I do get to meet up with them once in a while. Like a lot of people are in town for renegades. So that's fun. It's like a fun little Camp well, yeah, something. I haven't. I need to make it to Renegade uh, one year. I haven't gone yet, and yeah, I totally have, have to go. go. And <laughs> I just yeah. have to tell you. Now. Well, I think what I'm going to do is try and though. interview everybody that goes, and then when I go, I'll feel like I know a lot of people. You know, <laughs> right? Yeah, totally. Or you can just go up to them like me and go, "Hi, I'm Linda." Wait, you wouldn't know me because I just read your blog every day, even though. That's yeah, it's really yeah. That is really <laughs> funny how you know you have yeah. It's a weird kind of you know, and everyone there is like it's kind of overwhelming. It's just. It's great. It's huge. And I feel like I know a lot of the people because I, I do, like, look at their websites or buy their stuff all the time. But it is, it is like, kind of this funny moment where you're, like, it's like the Internet comes alive, but then you realize that, no, you don't really know these people <laughs> in real life. <laughs> so do you feel like so. kind of like you've um, become kind of a crafting celebrity in a way? But it's funny that you ask that because I don't, I don't think so. Like, I don't think people really know me that much. Yet. Yeah. Yet, so w- what do you plan to do next? I mean, what, what's next for Adorn? And then what's next for Linda? Okay. So what's next for Adorn, we hope, is another issue. <laughs> um, and hopefully, you know, quarterly publications, we start doing books. Okay, wait. Let me know, let me stop you there. You, we, start, we start doing um, books. What do you mean? Like, like... <laughs> like, I'd hope that after we've had a few, uh, you know, like a year or two of doing the magazine, that we'd be able to put out some more publications that were just more solid, like books where we could really get into certain things with the same kind of style of Christina and I's, you know, taste. Just like a different audience. So kind of working with your publisher to publish some books? Yeah, yeah. And, like, it's, I think it'd be fun to have a book out there. Oh, yes. I, I with, hope. You know? Yeah, that's on my list to do. <laughs> I like to have projects in other people's books, but I'd like to have my own. Yeah, there's something to be said about <laughs> so, that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just a different, it's, it's a, different, a little bit of a different world for books. Um, you know, and I love, like, I want the blog to be a big deal. Like, I want people to be checking it, and I want to he- be hearing back from people on the blog. So, like, the blog is fun for me because I'm 
I'm probably the most internet savvy out of our editorial crew, so it's kind of the place where I can put all the stuff that I wish, like if it wasn't a quarterly magazine, like we could cover, but we can't because we're quarterly, and you know, it just really has to be stuff that's timeless sometimes, mm -hmm. or you know, like I can't be like Renegades this weekend <laughs> when it's on the shelf for three months. Exactly. Know? So, so that's fun for me, and I like the possibilities that the blog offers with you know interacting with readers. And as far for, as for Linda. <laughs> I want to do more, you know, I want to do a couple more, like, freelancey things for books. And I don't know, I, I want to keep working on the door. And, like, I really want it to be, like, a successful crafting magazine that people turn to for inspiration. And I really want to see people making stuff from the magazine. And I want to, you know, I, I will just love to see that, <laughs> to actually, you know, see the fruits of my labor. Like, to me, the fruit of my labor isn't the actual magazine print. Like, that is in some form. But, like, I really want people to really, you know, use the magazine and like it and think it's, you know, a fun part of their life. So it's very tied to me. <laughs> or I find myself tied to it anyways as far as, like, where I'm going. I'm curious about when this whole thing started. Um, did someone approach you about, hey, we'd like to start a new magazine, or did you get to go to somebody with your idea? Well, it was kind of, you know, we were already working for a publisher, and Joanne's decided they didn't want to publish anymore. So it was just this great opportunity of, you know, we thought it's high time for this magazine that's, you know, a new, younger magazine. So we pitched it to our bosses, and they said they'd give us an issue. So we've done that, and, you know, we're, we're working on getting it really out there. So... So are you, um, so you, you know that you're, you're, I mean, you're working on other issues, so there will be certainly one, more than one um, issue. Yes. Yes. So yes. you're past that point. There will point. be many adorns. So that's, the, you're past the point of proving yourself. Um, and have to well, you know, we always need advertisers. Yeah. But, well, I'm curious but, uh, about that, yeah, too. I'm, I'm very confident that, yes, there will be many more. And as far as the advertising goes, is this something mm -hmm. that, because I think a lot of the people that listen to this show are the sort of folks that might have, you know, their home crafting business. And right. I think for, well, you know, because you did this. Um, yeah. Is it, I mean, is this something that you're looking to attract publisher or um, advertisers who are businesses or can little people afford this too? Or We're actually right now, we're really trying to build up like a marketplace section in the back that's like independent businesses, little online businesses. And the rates are really affordable. So what, what, like, kind, of, so affordable. what kind of rates um, for the folks at home? Uh, so we have a 12th of a page ad and that's, I think really it goes for 350 right now. We're, if you call in and tell them I sent you, <laughs> we'll give it for 250 So that's what we're hoping. We're hoping to, like, get people interested in doing it um, enough to fill up the pages to start and then, you know. But I think, you know, 300 bucks for somebody, it's a lot, but it's national distribution. It's The next issue is going to be in Target. Like, it's in Barnes & Noble, Borders, Joann's, uh, Hancock Fabrics, Michael's, you know. It's a great avenue and you're getting people who are already like super crafty anyway or, or into craft well it's a niche thing you're going to hit the so, people that yeah, yeah. That you want to attract um, right like you're getting the exact people that you think you know would be interested in that kind of thing so well good luck with that and beefing yeah. up your because of course you need advertising um, working in yeah. the newspaper business yeah, I appreciate that it is, but you know I'm fine with that I find a lot of cool products from our advertisers so I don't you know feel bad having to use them well, yeah, it's so. not like, uh, you know, you have some kind of illicit ad in the back that you morally don't agree with. I mean, it, this <laughs> right, is, exactly. this is, you can, you can agree with, you know, um, a bead company or, you right, know. Right, like, oh no, I have to use a crochet covered bead, the horror. <laughs> oh, that's great. I love it. I wouldn't know this existed if you didn't advertise. So great. You yeah. Know? Well, that's so, really. It's good. There's a good relationship, you know. It's beneficial for both people. So. Well, what advice do you have for people who are kind of in that transitional phase where they might be um, 
you know, coming home from work and crafting and mm-hmm. just maybe hoping that they were doing something else or looking to beef up their own home business. And um, I know you've done kind of both. You worked now in, right. you're in the industry and before that you were crafting at home. Yeah, I would say like do, I mean, as much as you can, as much time as you have to devote to it, do what you want to do. Like I just built my website from the little limited HTML that I knew, like using, you know, Microsoft front page. And I just did it for fun, and I, you know, it's totally why I got my job, because they were like, oh, we see your samples on your website. Like, I didn't even bring a portfolio or anything. I just, like, sent them my website and came in for an interview, and, you know, and, like, it just worked out. So I think, I guess my advice is really to to spend the, the time that you can doing what you love, and things will just, you know, things will open themselves to you, I think, if you're if you're open to the opportunities. Like, things will come your way. And also, you know, get out there, promote yourself. The Internet is this, like, great equalizer where you don't have to have money necessarily to get the word out. You know, get a MySpace account, do the sampler, contact people who are doing what you like, tell them that you like, you know, tell them you like their work, see if they like yours, like, forge relationships with people. Um, and, and it'll, you know, I think things will happen. If you have an idea to do something, just try it because you never know, you know. If you want to contact someone to see if you can submit a project, hey, you know, go for it. You have nothing to lose, kind of. So if you want to apply for a job you don't think you're qualified for, why not? Oh, I know that's never stopped <laughs> me, you know. <laughs> it's never stopped me either. Yeah. So, you know, people are like, how did you build all these contacts? And I'm like, I uh, called the, com- the 1-800 number and, like, asked for the person in charge of this. That's how simple it is. Yeah, you know, I think I think it. sometimes people are really intimidated, and um, obviously right. I've made a career out of calling people up, calling strangers yeah. and chatting with them. Um, it's right. just what I do. But I think what's really interesting is most of the time you get the person on the phone, and if you really are interested in what they're doing, or mm-hmm. uh, you know, they they'll recognize that. And, and most people oh, yeah. are not. People love when people love. Oh them. well, yeah, <laughs> they sure do. Yeah. It's it's a you know it's kind of a uh, a little like show that you've looked at what they're doing, and they'll probably you know do the same thing. If, if, you know, they can tell you're genuinely interested in stuff. You know, you're always, the door is closed if you don't even try to open it. You know, I mean, if you, you know, I right. think a lot of people um, sometimes feel like, oh, you know, I don't know if this is going to work out well. Right, you try can get it. into this rut of like, oh, but what if this happens? What if that happens? What if, what if, what if? But, you know, it, what if all that happens? You're still in the same place you are right now with like nothing open to you. So you <laughs> right. might as well, you might as well try turning you it You might as well try you know? prying the door with a crowbar, you know? Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm completely guilty of getting in those ruts, but sometimes it really is as simple as just asking for what you want. Yeah, so. yeah, and yeah. and yeah. So hopefully people will will do that. And you did mention the sampler, and I know that um, I haven't. I love Marie. Yeah, and, <laughs> and I, I only know her from online. Yeah, and I, I need her. to I need to get her on the show. But um, for folks who don't know, you said you did um, participate with the sampler, and, and that's when she basically. Um, well, can you explain how that works? Sure. So the sampler is this like. I call it a great swap meet by mail where um, independent business owners each send in, say, 25 contributions of, like, a sample of their work. Like, I might send in a crocheted flower, 25 crocheted flowers. And then Marie has this great organizing system where she puts out all the envelopes and puts a certain number of samples in each envelope, and she sends them to people who have subscribed to the sampler. And if you send in a contribution, you're automatically a subscriber for that month, so you get one, too. So you just, like, find out what other people are doing based on, like, the samples you get, and then it gives you a chance to, like, really see and touch their work before you you order something. And she also sends them out to the media, so that's super helpful for people who are trying to, you know, get noticed. And, you know, even if you don't feel like you can contribute the first month, her website has a lot of, like, you know, 
pretty pictures of all the things inside the sampler. So I, I luckily get a media sampler now, which is very nice. Yeah, well, that's cool. And is it always the same? It's different stuff every time? Yep, different stuff every time. So sometimes it's the same contributor, but they'll put, you know. She picks, like, based on the publication what she thinks would, you know. She's trying to help the people who she's promoting. So, you know, um, if, if I'm, like, a crafts publication, she'll pick crafts. But if I was a knitting publication, she might pick the crocheted things, or, you know, that right, are available. Right, right. Right. Well, that's cool. And do you have to pay to be a part of that? You don't have... If you contribute, you don't have to pay. You just have to pay your shipping of your stuff and then, uh, the, you know, the cost of whatever the materials were, but that's it. Okay, but you're not paying. So, to... super free, which is amazing, and I think she needs to charge money for it. <laughs> but um, if you if you just want to subscribe, I'm not sure what the rate is, but it's still... It's it's really affordable. Well, uh, that sounds really good, and I think what I'll need to do is get her on the show so um, people... Can, oh, definitely. Yeah, I think you I think she'd be a she's great so a great guest. Yeah. Well, there's, the thing is, I mean, I could interview people every day, and I still would not get everybody that is out there that doing really cool stuff. Yeah. I know that's the great. Like, there are just so many people doing amazing. Like Renegade, there's like 200 vendors, and I was just like, I don't even like my eyes are gonna fall out. Like, there's so much cool <laughs> stuff, and I'm in love with all of it. And how can I choose what to buy? You know? So did you drop a big wad there, uh, buying all kinds of stuff. Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think. I was good. I brought like $140 and I spent $140. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to resign myself to the fact that I'm going to spend some money. And I well, and you probably came uh, back with tons of ideas, too, of things that you can do. Um, yeah, and just like people that I can contact now. So that's, it was really cool to, it was nice to introduce myself. You know, you get kind of like shy sometimes, like, hi, I'm this person who's doing this magazine. I don't know if you've heard of it, you know, and then, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, it's great. Yeah. So to, that face connection, I think, is, can be really important, so. And it's fun to, like, touch everyone's stuff. Because when you're shopping online, you don't really know what you're getting sometimes. Right. So right. It's amazing. Like, you're, most of it, you know, like, way high quality. Like, there was some stuff that I had wanted to buy before, but I was like, eh, I don't know how that's going to look in real life. And then, you know, I went to the show, and I was like, oh, yeah, I definitely, I definitely have to buy this now. <laughs> Well, I don't know if you have, I, you've been very generous to give me an hour of your time here. Oh, okay. um, I don't know if there's anything else I didn't ask you or anything you want to, you know, get across um, to people. Do I want to say anything else? Uh, I think we talked about a lot. But yes, people, please write us, send us ideas, send us submissions, send us like pictures of what you're doing. That's That's the most of what I really would like, you know, from listeners if they're feedback feedback is good <laughs> yeah because it's always good to know how you're doing and what you need to change what you can you know keep doing right. what people love you know i think everyone has these like what i would do if i was the editor ideas and those are great but also just like what you'd like to see because there's so much potential for this magazine so and we want it to be something everyone likes so yeah well i think it's uh it, it's a great first issue and you know i'm you know, obviously um you know i've been crafting for a while so uh, for me, you know, I know the basics of crocheting and won't have right. to follow each step-by-step instruction, but I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, you know, it never occurred to me to make dangle earrings with circles, right. circles that I've crocheted. Um, right, never... and that's what we hope is like, you know, so maybe you'll be like, I'll crochet a doily and put it on a, you know, whatever. Like, like the projects are simple, but I think we, we try to leave them open enough so that people can totally do their own thing with it, too. Yeah, I think I, yeah. I think it's cool, and and you know, hopefully, um, people will check it out. It's in newsstands now. And how long is it going to be out there for? Till it sells out. Oh, okay. Because I didn't uh, know. So sure. like two weeks. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's quarterly, so it should be out till what is it now? June, July. 
I would say at least till the end of August. Okay, so it's for the summer. People can find it. Yeah, for the summer. Okay. Well, that's great. Well, congratulations to you Thank on you. landing a fabulous job and oh, yeah. and doing some <laughs> fabulous work. Oh, I think this is fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for interviewing me. Thanks to Linda for telling us what it's like to work at a craft publication. Adorn Magazine is on newsstands now, that summer issue, the first one. Expect to see the next issue out uh, around uh, early November. It's going to be available at Target stores and all the major craft stores, Joanne's Michaels, Hancock Fabrics, and your bookstores. Now let's move from the Big Apple to the Motor City, where we're going to hear from Alicia Dorset, and she's going to give us the scoop on what has gone into planning this Detroit Urban Craft Fair. So this will be a particular interest to those who either want to get a table at the Detroit Urban Craft Fair next year or are interested in going, or if you're thinking that your city really needs to have an alternative craft fair this will be interesting for you. I know that I'd like to see something like that happen in Grand Rapids. If anything, I just was hoping to kind of share the story of this group in Detroit making a go at putting on a craft fair that is different than your typical gymnasium craft fair. I love going to craft fairs because it's so fun to have conversations with the people who made the items that you're buying. Without further ado, let's hear from Alicia. Before we talk about the Detroit Urban Craft Fair that you're in the process of, of planning, tell me a little bit about yourself. What kind of crafts do you do? Oh, sure. Yeah, I, I do jewelry. That's kind of been my main thing. That's what I got started doing when I was back in high school. And I like to make gifts for people. I think it's always fun to receive something handmade. It seems like a lot of thought goes into it. Um, I love doing, uh, you know, I've, I'm a big music fan, so I have way too many concert t-shirts. So I always look for you know creative ways to kind of recycle my T-shirts after they've they've led a good concert life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just kind of just different things like that. Always trying to look for ways to maybe give something a new purpose after it's been used for something else. Um, I love doing. I used to be um, a newspaper designer, so I have a really big design background. So I love doing you know wall hangings or even just kind of interesting pieces of art or even just, you know, my own note cards. So it, it really kind of covers all sorts of different grounds. So you, did you go to art school? No, nope, I actually, I went to Michigan State and I was a journalism major. Oh, really? Okay. So yeah. do, you, do you work in journalism right now? I work at a PR firm in Ann Arbor. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's really cool. So how is that when you're trying to balance uh, your art and craft love with um, working for the man? Yeah, especially working for the man. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I think what's nice about it is that since it is something that I really truly love, it isn't when you know when you were in high school and you were we always joke about saying it's so nice to be able now to be at an age where we can read for pleasure, and that's that's kind of how I see crafting. It's the nice thing that where even if I'm just the other day I just sat down with just kind of like a blank. I had this little piece of plywood sitting around. I was like, what what can I make out of this? I, it was just a long day, and I just sat down for an hour and just started kind of making things with it. So I think it's nice to find little, I, I, you know, you would love to have more time to be able to do all sorts of crafts all day long, but it is kind of nice. It's a great way to unwind, and so you just, you find little time here and there to kind of fit it in. So do you have a family as well? No, nope, just myself. So you're a single gal crafting in Metro Detroit. I am. Yeah. <laughs> well, it sounds like you guys are having a great time over we there. Are. Um, with Because you have a little, you have a group of uh, crafters that you hang out with. What is your group called? We're called Handmade Detroit, and it's a 
a great group of people, which is, I mean, if anything, what I've been so excited about to be a part of it is just to meet so many wonderful new people who also do all sorts of different things in the, the kind of nine-to-five setting, but they're just really kind of creative, unique people. And how many people are in your group? We have about um, about 15 people right now, so they kind of, some people just help out whenever they can, and then we have some people who are really dedicated members, and they've taken on a large role within the group and with the fair, too. So is this, um, the Urban Craft Fair is sponsored by Handmade Detroit? Is that kind of like your group's craft fair? Yeah, exactly. That's kind of, you know, we started Handmade Detroit, and then the craft fair was kind of, I think, kind of why everything all sort of came together. It was Stephanie Tardy who is kind of kind of oversees everything. This was one of her you know just ideas that she had with some of our other members, and so this was I think one of the ultimate goals that everyone had was to stare at the as one of our first big things that we hope to see continue for a long time. Okay, so did um, Stephanie start the group, or how did that how did the group come to be? I think it was all more or less. I think everyone had probably at one point or another thought, you know, it'd be great to maybe find some other people who enjoy making things like I do, or maybe they could teach me how to sew. Maybe I'm not very good at that. And so I think everyone had kind of in their own heads been, you know, kind of talking to people and looking to see if they could find. But um, Stephanie had, with some of her friends, they just were kind of sitting around one day and were thinking, you know, let's 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 make this reality. Let's stop talking and let's start doing things about it. So, well, that's excellent. Yeah. How long has the group been going? You know, we got, we all kind of started getting the idea together and everyone in started meeting up right around the holidays, um, right at the end of last year, so not too long. So we're, we've been really busy in the short time that we've been together. So not even a year? Not even, mm-hmm. So roughly about six months I'll or so, bet, six, yeah. seven months. Well, that's really impressive. Yeah. Let's talk about a big event coming up on August 5th. Yep. Detroit Urban Craft Fair at the Majestic. Yes. This is, it just <laughs> sounds awesome. Yeah, we're really excited. Now, how many how many people do you have signed up to we come have- yeah, we've got about um, more than 50 people right now. Wow. Yeah, and so it'll be really nice. There'll be, you know, we've got all sorts of wonderful, fun decorating schemes in mind to make the, the Majestic look a little bit different than when you might go there for a show. So people will just, you know, they'll have their own setups, which will be a lot of fun to see what each, kind of how each vendor likes to present their items and kind of what they have been conceptualizing themselves. So it should be a lot of fun inside. And it starts at uh, 11 a.m. and goes all the way to 8. It does. So that's kind of a cool craft show because a lot of times uh, craft shows end at 5. Right now we're just so excited to have everyone come on down and check it out and see what everyone has to offer and even just learn more about the group and maybe how they can get involved next year. And is there an entry fee to come? Nope, it's totally free. Totally free, okay. So there's no excuse not to come. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. It's on a Saturday, it's perfect. So is this going to be kind of like a Bizarre Bazaar or Renegade craft fair? Definitely. Renegade was always kind of what we really hoped that, you know, the fair would turn out to be since Renegade. It's such a great time. There's so many different people at Renegade and just the atmosphere itself. I always feel really charged and just really creative after I go. I go to the one um, in Chicago since that's closest to us up here in Detroit. But we are definitely, we'll have people, we have obviously lots of, handmade clothing items and jewelry, so lots of wearable goods, but really different things, too. We have, you know, someone who makes their own clogs. We have someone who still screening ties. So it's definitely, you know, it's not just a female thing. It's open for everyone. There's, you know, something, everybody can find something that they'll love there. We've just got a variety of different things, and, you know, artwork and things like that. So it's really exciting to see what people make on their own. It isn't necessarily maybe just purses, you know, People just love to make things. 
Well, it sounds absolutely fantastic. And are, are there some of these people that go to Renegade, will they be vendors at your show, or are these mostly Metro Detroit crafters and artists? We're pretty excited because they're definitely, we have a big group from Metro Detroit, but also from Michigan as well. So that's been, that's been really nice to have such, you know, to be really, to be able to support our state and definitely the city that we're, you know, proud to be a part of. So you're, you're drawing from all over the state? Mm-hmm. Primarily. Mm-hmm. So are there out, are other people coming from out of state as well? We do. We do have a few people coming from out of state too. So, yeah. This will be the first uh, of its kind. There has never been a craft fair like this, uh, as far as I know, in the state of Michigan where it's kind of like the whole renegade, bizarre, bizarre type event. Am I mistaken or are you aware of any other? I think at least in the, in the definite Detroit area, to my knowledge, there hasn't been anything. There have been um, some. There are some other great events happening this year that are starting to spring up throughout different areas. So I think, like right in you know the downtown area, this is the first that I know of. That's really very similar, like you say, to like the Renegade type craft fairs. Sure. Um, I think it's very exciting. And what does this say about the whole craft revolution, as you guys say on your website that the Definitely. it's it's upon us. You know, and Michigan's not going to be left behind. What do you think is going on? I mean, as far as having this. Uh, you know, trend come to Detroit because I, you know, the, the bizarre bizarre has been going on in other other states for a, quite a long time now, and and the you know uh, Renegade Craft Fair and to see this in Detroit now, um, I know sometimes it takes us in Michigan a little bit longer <laughs> to get it things does. rolling. It really you know, does. yeah. <laughs> so you know, because I I know it just seems like things are really cool on the coast, and then we get mm-hmm. into it too. But um, I know that we've all been crafting though. Uh, people should not be mistaken. Uh, we've been crafting for years here in, right. in, uh, in Michigan. But uh, what does it say about what's going on as far as the arts craft scene in, in um, Detroit? How, how would you describe it? Sure. I think we're really lucky because we have such a diverse art community in Detroit. We've got you know, Wayne State University and the College for Creative Studies. So there's definitely this, this kind of it's almost, not to say artsy attitude, but you've definitely got some good resources to pull from. But we, I, I think we're definitely a community of people. You know, obviously our music scene is something that we're really proud of. And just, I think there's just a lot of people here who are hard workers, but they're also incredibly talented and creative and just multi, just really multi-talented. So I think it's definitely a reflection that, you know, Detroit just isn't, an area of industry or cars. We have, I mean, that's definitely our backbone, and that's kind of what's made, you know, what has made the city what it is today. But there's so much more, and that's kind of what we hope people see, that we hope that people realize that, oh, this is great, this is something I'd like to get a part, you know, become a part of or just check it out, but also, too, to realize that Detroit has so much to offer. Yeah, I think Detroit has uh, a very bad name, which, mm-hmm. um, you know, I know it's, it's, there's some work to be done in Detroit about, uh, you know, revitalization is something that uh, the city really needs. But, um, you know, I, I grew up in the suburbs of Detroit, and, you know, it's, it is disheartening because I think sometimes people write the entire city off and just mm-hmm. fail to recognize that there's, uh, you know, quite a bit happening as far as art goes, and it sounds like you guys are really trying to highlight that uh, on the 5th. Yeah. Definitely. I think, um, you know, we definitely want people, we want to, you know, establish our name as just this resource for people who are interested in sort of this, you know, kind of handmade or do-it-yourself movement that's really taking shape across the country. But also, too, I mean, we want Detroit to know that, you know, we're a group that supports the city. They've got a lot of hard things going on right now. It's definitely a difficult time for the city, but 
as someone who's lived in this area all my life, I'm always kind of, I'm definitely a big optimist, and I, you know, I just see good things for the city in the future. So hopefully when we look back on it, we can say that we were a part of that. Well, and I think that's great. And I mean, do you think that that's something that um, for people who aren't familiar with, with Detroit and they think, oh, Detroit, boy, mm -hmm. I don't know if I want to go to this craft show. I mean, how, are you guys worried that that's going to be, you know, people will be like having the wrong idea and not feeling like they want to, you know, go because of that? Oh, sure. That was, that was definitely when we in, you know, the preliminary stages when we were thinking about where we wanted to have this, we were definitely, you know, I had our, our heart set knowing that we're, we're going to do this in Detroit. That's, you know, kind of who we are. But some people had said that was a concern. Would people not from this area and who don't know just how great and safe Detroit really is, would they want to come down? Would they want to bring their families or, you know, relatives, that sort of thing? And so the Majestic Theater, that was why it was just such a good fit for us. It's, it's such a landmark on Woodward Avenue. People know right where it is. It's in a really good part of a thriving area. So we definitely it, – it was a concern, but hopefully after people come down and, you know, maybe – they come to the craft fair for a little bit, and then they can go over to the Magic Stick, and they can go to Smurge and Pepperonis and have pizza and head back home or check something else out downtown because in the summer it always seems like there's something really fun happening at various points in the city to do. So hopefully it's a day, yeah. Yeah, and I think that that, that is cool that you guys are making a statement because you could have picked, you know, Rochester Hills or, you know, oh, yeah. I mean, it's a place where people, you know, the high rollers hang out and, a mm -hmm. city that probably doesn't need a lot of support, you know, as far as, you know, exactly. economic, uh, you know, yeah. So maybe people will, um, you know, go to these other businesses and kind of help support the, the people yeah. who are staking a claim there. So that's great. Yeah. Well, what advice do you have? Because I'm sure this, well, maybe you can, before you start giving out advice, maybe you could talk a little bit about the challenge of putting together the first ever, you know, show <laughs> of its kind. This has got to be, I mean, months in the making. And, mm -hmm. you know, when did you guys decide you wanted to do this? We decided we got really everything rolling in January and kind of we had set up monthly meetings and goals and we had committees established right away and everyone has just been so dedicated to whatever part that they've been working on. And I think our biggest challenge that we've found, and I think it's pretty true of any event when you're really starting to get it going, is having people take us seriously. You know, when, when we would tell someone that we were doing, we have this great craft fair idea, when you would say craft fair, I think people just their eyes kind of lit up and immediately they're thinking of decorative tissue boxes in a high school gym somewhere in Rochester Hills. Like right, said, right, you right. Know? With the band <laughs> boosters helping you set up your table, you know. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And so that was definitely a challenge is letting people know that we were different and that this is not only is it a, an event for pe people to enjoy, but it also, too, is a, a greater statement of what's going on. So we've tried really hard. Um, we've been doing a lot of either if it's just showing up at different bands around and handing out our flyers or we have these great mitten pins that um, we've made out. They're just out of felt, and we cut out the lower part of the state and put a little foam heart over the kind of fleshy thumb area of where <laughs> Detroit looks like on, the, on our mitten hand map. But those, we, just, we thought, on a whim, so you know, came up with the idea, and we had them out during one of the music festivals here in Detroit, and we sold out. And it was just so funny. We have them available on our website now, and we get requests for, requests for them. And so now people go, they, you know, when we're walking around town and they see those, the pins that we wear, they're like, oh, it's the craft fair, you know. And so that's exactly what we want people to do. We wanted them to recognize and say, yeah, I'm going to definitely check it out. And so that was, we just try to think of ideas like that. All the businesses, we've been, 
so fortunate to have some really great support from not only Detroit, but some of the surrounding suburbs who have been really excited, whether, you know, they're local cafes or stores that sell independent goods themselves. We've just been really lucky that they kind of want to get in on this kind of excitement that's going on right now with it. So they've been helping us, you know, they'll put out a thing of pins or they'll help us hand out flyers and put up posters. So we've We've had a lot of great support from that, and that's all kind of gone back to helping people realize that this is a big deal and this is a really big event, and you definitely want to come take a look at it. So is it something that's really costly to put on? You know, what's what's really been exciting for us, and I think it's been really interesting, I think it's a definitely um, an interesting statement of today's media, is that we haven't had to worry too much with advertising because one of the first things we did once we knew that the fair was a go was we put up a MySpace page and we weren't sure we thought oh you know what what's going to come of it and we had friend requests just like you wouldn't believe and people saying I live here can I can I help out or can I you know get some flyers to send to people who live somewhere else and we've got from Toledo Ohio you know asking how they can you know spread the word down there so that was one great thing. We started a blog. That's been kind of fun. And so in terms of that, it hasn't been too bad. But I think just with any event, the first year that you get going, it definitely is a little bit costlier just as you're trying to really get that word out and really establish yourself. But it's, I mean, we've just been lucky because obviously we're not, we're not making a profit off of this. This is just, we're, you know, we want to turn everything back around and put it into the group, put it into the fair and just, you know, for people to be able to utilize to come. So did the Majestic donate space then, or did you have to pay? We rented space from them, but they've been really great in helping us out and, you know, making sure that the event is going to be a really big success. So your your sponsors have helped you pay for the space then? Is that how that works? We, um, our vendors, um, have oh, paid. of course, they pay for they pay for yeah. by tables. Okay, and basically so you're able that to... just yep, that just basically covered our you know our rental fee cost, which is exactly what we wanted it to do, and any money now that sponsors have come in, like I said, we've had some just wonderful sponsors, so that's helped us um, make some really great posters. We've had people donate their time and come up with great poster designs for us. Uh, we've been really lucky to have a really wonderful website that's just. It's really great to look at. It's really awesome. And so, you know, money just kind of has been going into that, you know, paying to send out press kits, the little things that just tend to add up. And, of course, more felt for all of our mittens. <laughs> yeah, all the, your felt budget. Yeah. All of our, you know, felt budget. <laughs> Thankfully, felt is not that expensive. But it's, I was say, yeah. <laughs> well, it sounds like, you know, these shows in Bizarre Bizarre, you know, I interviewed the, the, um, Greg, who runs that, and sure. it's, you know, he said that this is definitely not something that he's just glad when he breaks even, you know, he does not yeah. make tons of money, but what makes him really happy is to see all the cool people who come out and enjoy the show and all the vendors who get to sell their, their items, and um, it's really a cool experience for someone to buy something to actually see who made it and have that dialogue, exactly. and those are relationships you just can't have if you're buying um, handmade stuff online, which a lot of us do, but it's yeah. so cool to actually be able to talk to the person and ask them questions about you know, their inspiration, why they made what they made, and tell them that you like it, so mm-hmm. it's really mm-hmm. a cool thing. I couldn't thing. agree more. <laughs> yeah, so, I, so are you going to be selling some of your jewelry? I will, I will, and all the craziness that's going into planning, I, it's funny, I have to think, okay, remember, make, make some new pieces, make some new necklaces. Yeah, so are you going to have your own booth, or, or are they going to, um, okay, yeah, yeah, so most yep, of the members. I've got my own booth, and a few of our other members, are. we're going to put some things out together, so, because we'll, I'm sure we'll be busy that day, making sure everything's running smoothly, right. and helping everyone else out. Right, so someone can man the table while the others are out. 
you know, exactly. handling exactly. all the other stuff. Well, yes. so I know it's too late for this year, but for next year, uh, it sounds like I'm already pushing you to think about next year, which is, seems wonderful. crazy when you think about, you got to get through this one, but, but I'm sure uh -huh. it's going to be a wonderful success. And what, if people are interested in, uh, being in part of this next year and, and being a vendor um, is how sure. do you is it a juried show or what do they need to do? We did do a, um, a juried show this year because we had um, we had gosh I'm trying to think more than a hundred applicants which wow. was wonderful for yeah for for something that's you know really people aren't too sure about it and you know what's this going to be what's it going to be like where's something with renegade people just went oh man I can't wait to get in just because it's so much fun. So definitely um, what will, you know, I'm sure will be the same process for next year, but just keep watching our website. We'll have um, hopefully a brand new website for Handmade Detroit up and running very soon. Right now we've, all of our um, really good information is just on the, the um, FAIR website itself. Okay. And we'll always have that updated with whatever news bulletins we've got going on. Okay. So it sounds like it's going to be months before there's any deadlines or anything for the next, oh, next sure. show. But just sure. to watch the website and yeah. uh, and probably just the best way to figure out how to get in would be just to go to this year's show and kind oh, of see and see example. what what kind of stuff is there and what kind of what you're looking for and yeah. um you, you said there's quite a variety but were you looking for i mean if for people that are thinking geez what it, if they've never gone to renegade never gone to bizarre bazaar um mm -hmm. what can you tell people as far as what they're going to see like as far as what types of crafting this will not be like a bunch of doilies and <laughs> not, not to say there's anything wrong with doilies you know i think nope, they're pretty nope, and i have a couple have a in my house uh, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but that's not what this is about so for people who are trying to get a handle on what is this whole you know it's almost like a alternative crafting craft venue um what what can they expect i mean how does it differ from the whole um craft fair in a gymnasium sure one we always like to refer to it as you know handmade goods and so we i'm sure we're pretty positive that people will be able to see you know just a lot of time and effort going into well-crafted pieces of whether it's jewelry or just you know kind of really well-sewn garments, things like that. A lot of time, a lot of effort, really, from our vendors, they just put so much into their pieces, and they're, they're proud of them, and so are we. And so I think people will see something, I think they'll be able to take away something knowing that, wow, this piece I took today, maybe it's a piece of art, maybe it is a, a really great-looking ring. This is something that's definitely unique, and I was able to talk with someone about it, and just like you said, how do they come up with this idea? You know, how long have they been doing their craft? So it, you'll definitely walk away knowing that you have just almost even like a one-of-a-kind piece. And just you were able to really kind of help this growing community of just really creative thinkers. And that's one of the things that is really hard to, um, you know, you're not going to get rich making handmade goods in your house. No. But the thing mm -hmm. is, those of us who do that, we love it, and we're not going to stop. So That's right. um, this is one way to uh, support pe like-minded people by uh, coming out yeah. and buying their stuff. And uh, if you can't afford everything at the show, see, that's always a big problem I have. You know, I like a lot of stuff, you know, so you can't afford all of it. But at least to uh, give, give out compliments, you know, <laughs> as you go by the table. Definitely. Um, compliments, even to, you know, um, everyone will be more than happy. I'm sure people will have cards or flyers with websites on them. Right. Just like you said, if you totally ran out of cash that day, no problem. Maybe you can write down what you liked and just send that person an email. What's really nice is that um, I know within our group members and the people coming, everyone is just so willing to talk and to talk about what's going on in both their work and this kind of DIY community that it, 
if you want to send them an email, we'd love to talk. Send us an email, you know. So that's the nice part about the day is that, you know, we definitely want people to come out and definitely, you know, buy lots of stuff. But, you know, you can always check those people out online, too. And as far as the Handmade Detroit um, membership goes, if people are looking, to, if they live in the area and they want to get involved, is it an open membership or how do you, um, how do you yeah, run your group? Oh, it's totally open. And what's we've definitely been really preoccupied with the fair uh, this spring. But once the fair kind of dies down, we're hoping to do all sorts of whether they're workshops or whether they're even just people getting together on a Saturday afternoon who just want to make something and want someone to talk to while they're working on it. So it's just definitely open. Just shoot us an email or check out any of our websites, and we'd love to hear from more people. Any kind of membership fee? Nope, none at all. No, so it's just free and basically just yep. the, the whole social, so you don't have to craft in yeah. isolation. You can. That's right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's what I find I end up having to do quite often because I, I, I sometimes craft in the middle of the night because I have a full-time job, and my uh -huh. family lives on the east side of the state. So uh, my sisters are, are big crafters, and my mom too. But, um, but yeah, that's so wonderful. I end up, uh, I know your group probably doesn't meet at 3 a.m., but. Um... <laughs> yeah. You never know, somebody, somebody might be really into doing that. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that um, it's really cool. So what that that information is on the website. If people want to join your group, they can just send an email to the group and uh, find out how they can yeah. join. And oh, definitely, definitely. You can. Um, I'm, I'm also curious too about the group of women. That is it mostly women that's in Handmade Detroit, or is it men and women? Which it's men and women. We definitely have more women than men, but we've got some great guys who have been helping us out and who make their own things. So it's it's definitely not gender specific or anything. So it's like open that. to anybody who wants to um, who's into art and craft. Um, it is all ages too. We've had some. You know, we have kids still in high school who are helping out, and we've got you know moms showing up with little babies who just you know they love to make, and so it's it's nice because it is so diverse. Any information that you want people to know as they plan their, their road trip? Their road trip down to see us. Yes, there's going to be, um, what's great about the Majestic is there's lots of parking um, behind the facility around Woodward. It's just definitely a very open Is area. the par parking free as well? Um, that I'm not sure about. I'm not sure kind of, um, that's prob that might, probably that depends might, on where you park. Yeah, it depends on where you park. might be, you know, some of the venue type spaces, but there's definitely, you know, don't worry about it being in, you know, kind of some side street that you're not sure about. It's just right there on Woodward. You can't miss it and lots of stuff going on around it. And uh, thanks to Alicia for giving us a behind-the-scenes look at the Detroit Urban Craft Fair. I'm planning to go, so any of you that are planning to go as well, send me an email. I'd love to hear that you're going to go, and maybe we can have a little chat couple things before I sign off. I want to send a special thanks out to California, to Claire. Claire was the first, the very first person to click on that donation button. Didn't mention it, just kind of wanted to see what would happen, and Claire found it, which I really appreciate. If you'd like to support the show, feel free. Obviously not a requirement. This week I'm on vacation for my day job, and I'm working on some uh, t-shirt designs with my brother-in-law, Andrew Zarcona, who is that fabulous up-and-coming graphic designer who has so kindly agreed to help me with these designs. And we hope to have some shirts available for sale soon. So that would be another way to support the podcast. Also, here's something that you can get from me free. 
I'm going to be giving away a copy of Debbie Stoller's Stitch and Bitch Crochet, the Happy Hooker book, and it's really cool. I've made one project out of it. I have my eye on several others. It is a book that would be appropriate to give to somebody who is just learning, or if you don't know how to crochet and you're thinking, geez, I don't know if I want a crochet book, I don't know how to crochet, this book would be perfect for you. And I'm going to be posting my interview with her in a couple weeks. Next week, I'll be talking to Amy from the Angry Chicken blog, which is really cool. And she is fabulous. We had a great chat. Keep those show ideas coming my way. I love them. If you have any comments, concerns, questions for me, please email me at jennifer at craftsanity.com. And um, I think that's it. Thanks for sticking with me all the way to the end of the show, those who made it. <laughs> and, you know, don't forget that when times get tough, try not to you know blow a gasket. Just get back to your craft room. Or just open the box of craft supplies that you have laying around the house. And craft sanity, my friends. It really works for me. Until next week. You guys have a great time, and I'll see you then. Thanks for listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast with Jennifer Ackerman Haywood. Visit CraftSanity.com for more information about today's guest and links to subscribing to the podcast. Want to support the show? Follow the link to vote for Craft Sanity on Podcast Alley once a month. You can also make a donation or buy goods at the Craft Sanity store. Have a suggestion for a future guest or have other feedback? Email jennifer at craftsanity.com. Thanks again for listening to Craft Sanity.